Well, babe, we did it. We wrote a book. Yeah, man, it's it's actually surreal to even think about uh, that we wrote a book, had a baby, got married, not necessarily in that order. <laughs> <laughs> but the book is now available yeah. for pre-order and we're so excited to share it with you. Oh, so looking forward to getting this book into your hands, to be in dialogue and conversation with all of you as we continue to liberate love from old imprints and codependent dynamics that keep us small, stuck, and stagnant. Yeah, you know, no matter your relationship status, this book walks you through what shaped you, why do you do what you do in relationship. It dives deep into your relationship blueprint, attachment styles, and most importantly, which is different than every other book that's ever covered codependency in the past, we explore the role of the nervous system in that. And the book is called Liberated Love. Yeah, release your codependent patterns and create the love you desire. Go to createthelove.com slash liberated love to order your copy now. That's createthelove.com slash liberated love and get that pre-order in and you'll be able to get a free download of a meditation we created and a workbook that goes along with it. Much love and appreciation for your support. Much love. Thank you. As I said, tea changes you. Tea works with you. It's not like when we're in a meditation and we're just like, well, when the time passes, it'll be done. Right? Mm-hmm. It's yeah. like those things that are hard, your heart becomes softened too. And all of a sudden it's not so hard. And that's what I want in life. Like, life's hard. This world is crazy. Society asks a lot from us. And I just want it to not be so hard. And I get to be there and be like, oh, it's not so hard. Life's actually beautiful. Hi, my name is Mark Groves, and I'm obsessed with understanding human behavior and why we do what we do. In this podcast, I interview the world's most brilliant minds and hearts, where I get to explore, alongside you, every subject you can imagine relating to our human experience and how we relate. It is my deepest intention that we all learn how to create the life and love that we've always dreamt of. Now, before we get rolling, make sure you hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any episodes. And one ask that I have, and an amazing way that you can help support the podcast is by wherever you listen to it, giving it a five-star review and a written review. With all that said, let's dive in and transform our lives. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Mark Groves Podcast. Today, I'm joined with Mariana Rittenhouse. How good was that accent? It was good. It was pretty good. I mean, the Rittenhouse felt a little European. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, isn't but it, it is like that. It's, I believe, Austrian-Hungarian. And right, so I nailed it. It's a hard name because Mariana Rittenhouse, they're two very different accents. Yeah, they are. And I remember like, when I used to call you Mariana. Mariana. Yeah, I used to call myself Mariana. Mm-hmm. It was the coming back to your roots that you're like, it, all right, we're going to Venezuelanize. It was. I moved to Miami about seven years ago, and I feel like it was to reclaim my name. That's cool. Yeah, to start saying Mariana. And it's funny because no one pronounced my name right before when I would say Mariana. I would like go to Starbucks and people would be like, Meredith. Oh, Starbucks just... is the best, though. They, on purpose, apparently write your name wrong because then no. you're likely to take a picture of it and post in your stories. Okay, well, we weren't. Isn't that brilliant This wasn't marketing. Instagram, though. Isn't that <laughs> brilliant, marketing? No, it is. <laughs> it's so smart. Nowadays, I think that that would be racist for me. For someone to write to your name? To take a Mariana and turn it into a Meredith. <laughs> I mean, it's I a very different. The one that they want on Instagram. <laughs> it's racist. Everything's nowadays. racist now. Yeah, so, nowadays, yeah that's a good nowadays. call. <laughs> the reason I wanted to have Mariana on the show is because there's a lot of conversation about plant medicine, psychedelics, and those are all important conversations. And a lot of people have found healing through many different modalities. And one thing that really fascinated me about Mariana's work is that Kylie did tea. So Mariana is a tea ceremonialist and advocate for nature. We're still teacher, mentor, but lover of nature and lover of bringing people back into reverence and relationship with nature through such a beautiful plant as tea. Mm -hmm. Now, if you had asked me years ago, do you want to have tea? And you do you want to have it really slowly? <laughs> I would have been like, nah, bro, I got stuff to do. Like my mom's Irish. So growing up, my mom would drink tea all the time. And we would laugh at it because we're like tea. Like mm-hmm. who drinks tea? How British? Do you want a crumpet? Mm-hmm. And so 
when Kylie took the training with you, mm-hmm. is it start your own tea practice? She, I remember all of a sudden, Kai was like every morning <laughs> sitting with these bowls and this water washing. I felt like she was, I grew up going to Catholic church, so it felt very much like the sacraments where they would wipe the thing and wash all of the things. And I was like, what is she doing? Then what I witnessed was this. I mean, Kai does everything with this level of intention and dedication. We are, we're different. <laughs> and she... <laughs> I noticed just how profoundly important that morning ritual was for her. Mm -hmm. And then she invited me to sit with her, and I was like, oh, yeah, I'll sit and have tea. Like, you love this. I want to see what it is. And you're not allowed to talk, or you set rules, right? Like, everyone could set different rules. Like a space, maybe not rules, but yeah. And I'm almost done my introduction here. (laughs) Just to give people context of why I think this is important to talk about, is that you wouldn't speak for the first three cups, and that was so cool because, like, as someone who's, I have a podcast and have always had on my report cards that Mark speaks too much in class, mm-hmm. this three cups, I actually really looked forward to. And I really enjoyed just being with Kylie, being in this state. Mm-hmm. And that ritual in the mornings, which is usually when we did it, I felt at a state of calm and connected to her, which was really cool. Mm-hmm. And just because there was such intentional presence, no phones, no nothing. It was really powerful. Mm-hmm. And so I got to know Mariana through that, like through tea. And I now know so many people who have tea practices mm-hmm. because of you. Mm-hmm. And they've all been trained by you. And I think it's important to explore that. I know you talk about this, so I won't steal your thunder. Mm-hmm. But to explore that the avenues to awakening or presence or nurturing a relationship with ourselves or whatever it is, nature doesn't have to be, can be, but doesn't have to be these extreme plant medicines, these extreme fasts, which again, if that's someone's avenue, amazing. I've done fasting. It is powerful as a vehicle for awareness. I think there's even tea fasts. <laughs> so that's like combining two. Yet, well, there used to be that one, the like wild rose. Oh. Yeah, that, mm-hmm. I don't know about that one. <laughs> so I'm not, this, none of this is medical advice. <laughs> Yeah, they're just not sustainable. That's what I see. It's like you can go, you can go do a fast, but then you come into this crazy world that we live in that you're trying to get away from by doing these more extreme practices, and then you have nothing to come home with. Right. And people... That's interesting. Like, you do the experience, but then when you come home, your experience is still there. Like, you don't have a consistent... Mm -hmm. You know, that's interesting because I've been thinking about what... I was listening to Ram Dass recently, which, you know, is a common thing for me. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about how we fall in love with the method. Like you enter the honeymoon phase with someone and you're like, I experienced love like I never have. Or you do meditation and you're like, I find God. Or you do Mm -hmm. ayahuasca and you find that you're connected to everything, psychedelics, whatever. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about how his teacher Maharaji asked him why he did so much LSD. And he said, because when I do it, I get to sit with Christ. And Maharaji said, well, why don't you just become Christ? And then you won't have to visit him. Mm -hmm. And Ram Dass was talking about how all that we experience is the awakening of what's already in us. But we think that the vehicle is the only way to get there when it's already here. It's already within. Right. So we fall in love with the method. And what you're saying about, I mean, I've known people who have done ayahuasca like 25 times. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, at what point are you integrating Mm-hmm. You know, like you're doing mushrooms all the time. At what point are you integrating? Because mm-hmm. like to be brought into those realms, which I'm sure there's lots of beliefs on that, but you are opening yourself up to entities, communication, mm-hmm. you know, depending on your beliefs. Some people are like, ent- I'm sorry, what? So many caveats. I thought this was just tea. <laughs> so many caveats right. though. Even the point right. that it's like so many caveats, there's so many different beliefs. There's Right, so, and they're all perfect. Yeah, but it's... What I find is that it's extractive. It's extra like the second that we are constantly going to something else to like, let's say, oh, I drank ayahuasca and I understood what love was. And that's my only source of love. It's extractive if that's what I keep doing versus like, oh, I realize that love is also within me. And so, but you know, I remember many years ago, I had a shaman from Ecuador come to my house to do this event. It was kind of like a cultural exchange. And this guy, he went 
he was in the Peace Corps. Way to go. This guy that Shonic I was... Peace Corps. This guy that I was connected with yeah. to see if I think we could do this event at my house. He went to the Peace Corps, and his assignment at the Peace Corps was to essentially live with this shaman for two years. And so that was it. He just... That's a pretty good assignment. You know, it's, it's a Like, you're going to war. <laughs> By the way, you're just going to sit with this shaman. Yeah, talk to me, hang intervention, out. Though. Yeah, like, yeah. and they became very close. And after he left, the <laughs> shaman, he taught the shaman English, and then he would want to go visit other places and have different cultural experiences. He wasn't coming out to do ayahuasca ceremonies. He was like, I want to see the world. So they were always looking for, okay, he wants to come and share a little bit about his culture and wants to receive a culture in return. Mm. And so I was like, oh, I don't know what, I don't, what will we do? The U.S. doesn't have like super interesting culture in a spiritual way. Yeah, it doesn't have like a historical, like a lot of history, like Europe or, I mean, all the people in the U.S. have history, but just not as a culture united. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. Totally. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to call in my bhakti community. I used to love to go to kirtan, and we'll do a kirtan at the house. Because I don't know I'm what sure those things mean, seen. but they sound great. Imagine Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna is chanting in the park. Kirtan. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. And so he came over. We had this beautiful event. He talked about his culture. He shared about He shared a blessing. He shared about how ayahuasca became a thing in his culture and then we did this kirtan and it was so cool because the shaman's like literally in his native outfit he never wears anything else his whole head's painted red and he's just dancing and screaming the maha mantra the Hare krishna mantra on the top of his lungs all over my living room he's that's like pretty just cool having yeah. the best time if you've never experienced something like that it it's is just, it's like so uncomfortable when you've never been around something right. like that like i think if i took like friends of mine from the Midwest or friends mm-hmm. of mine, like if you're from Vancouver or LA or New York, you probably know a shaman, but <laughs> maybe not a real <laughs> shaman, but you know what I mean? I mean, the shaman was the influencer. Everyone was having <laughs> yeah. fun because they were yeah. like, look, the shaman's yeah. having fun. That's <laughs> so so cool. we're going to do it. So, but I was having a conversation with the guy who was in the Peace Corps with him a while later. And he shared with me that the only spiritual experience he's ever had was ayahuasca doing ayahuasca with the shaman when he was in in the Peace Corps. And having just been at this like so energetically potent kirtan with the shaman, I was like, really? That's the only spiritual experience you've had? I feel like we just had one. What about that thing that we just did? Yeah, and it was so fascinating to actually see, oh, spirituality has been equated with psychedelics. Right. Yeah, and it's interesting. If that's where your spiritual life comes from. Then, yeah, you're going to keep going back. You're going to keep going back to, honestly, like they're extreme. I'm not saying that in because I'm anti, because I'm not at all. But when you work with ayahuasca, you're on special food and it's really hard on the body. And it's and it can like integrate it you under. Right. Right. And you want to make sure you're with the right person and all this stuff. And so it can be such a beautiful thing, but to act like that's your main medicine or your access to anything, I mean, it's an intense way to live. I wouldn't want to do it, like, personally. Well, I think it becomes more also of how our culture really seeks extreme experiences to engage in transformation. Like, I think of just the common human condition that in order to change things that are even dysfunctional, painful, Mm -hmm. we wait for Mm -hmm. the extreme. We wait for the have to. And I think I've not considered this, but I I think you've spoken about this, Mm -hmm. is that that intentional practice, whether it's daily or not, actually is the choosing to. It's like spiritual hygiene Mm -hmm. or like maybe just hygiene of relationship to self too, Mm -hmm. you know, because most of us don't have that. And to, as you said, like we think the spiritual experience has to be this like grand awakening or the ayahuasca or the, and those can be those for sure. But a spiritual experience or just a connection to something that's greater than you can just happen while you're walking in the exactly. forest, right? Or like sitting exactly. with tea. You can't have it both ways. We want to say that life is a ceremony. Yeah. Then only see ceremony as something very extreme. Mm, As opposed to your way of being. We want to say we are nature, but the way that I know I'm nature is by doing something very extreme. Right. You know, we can't say that, oh, I love nature and this room isn't nature. Everything's nature, right? Right. Everything on this planet 
is nature, whether we've distorted it in some way or not, because we are nature. It's like you can't have it both ways. You really need to sink into like the which is so hard to do. Okay, I really want to caveat that it's so hard to know, not with your mind, but with your body and your heart that you are nature, that life is a ceremony. And if you can only experience that by something really gross, not subtle. What do you mean gross? Is like, like radical? As in oh, like, as in large. Yeah, you know, I think it's not like, like eating think, Brussels sprouts. No, like in physics, it's like gross so matter cool. or subtle matter, I think. Is that right? I, I mean, know. I did physics a long time. Wait, no, I did. Yeah, years ago. High I don't school. know why that sticks I couldn't even remember life. the last time I did I physics. I feel like maybe so quantum tells. physics. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Point is like something like. With something grand dense, versus something simple. Some, yeah, like yeah. if you can't feel it in the subtlety of the present moment then we have work to do. And we all have that work to do because we've been conditioned very well. Well, I think sometimes that radical experience does wake you up to the sense of something that then makes you want to come back to a simple practice. Mm-hmm. But again, that's we then have this idea for so many reasons that that is the way mm-hmm. versus, oh, I could just have this sense that I need, I should try this tea thing or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden we're like, oh, I will tell you. It's subtle rather than this like radical shift. And it takes time. Like as I share and teach tea, I have to be, I have to show up a lot. It's not like, here's a practice. I'll see you in two weeks. It's like we meet every single day for three weeks. Oh, wow. Yeah, because our minds are so strong and we'll come waiting for the magic. Where's the miracle? Right. What's the thing? Is this tea uh, psychedelic? And it, uh, yeah, and it's just like this constant letting go, letting go. So I have to be there and be like, great, let it go. Let it go. <laughs> yeah. Let it go. That's not it. You're projecting. You're this. You're that. Like, how can we actually... It takes time to know ourselves. I always say, you need to know yourself before you can know another. Because until you know yourself, you're probably projecting yourself onto other. Yeah, your wounds, your... Yeah, so it's like, how can I hear tea if I can't even hear myself? So the first thing in a tea practice, like it it happens so subtly. Yes. But it's not in the language that I'm thinking. Plants don't speak in the human language. Right. I like to, to what is it, anthropomorphize? Mm -hmm. Yeah. This tea, you're a person. If you could please communicate (laughs) with me. And tell me the answer. Yeah. yeah. You solve everything. (laughs) Oh, yeah, and they, like, put it in the thing, right? You know, I don't actually know what culture that's from. I don't know much about it, but... I feel like I had someone do that once. I wouldn't be surprised. People ask me that a lot. But I think what we find, what people find when they first start drinking tea is they're like, if I'm not getting anything out of this, what's the point? Right. Like, say they feel like that. And slowly what starts to happen is they're like, well... And this can be between the first and the third bowl, right? Because we're, like, taking the time. And so something that might happen is, why am I not getting, am I not good enough? And their thoughts start to come up of like, why is it a problem that I'm not extracting something from this? And then like they- getting something, you mean? Yeah. yeah. And because, of course, if you come into any ritual or healing modality, you want to yeah, receive you're, something. you're going in it to get something, which is so interesting because that's relationally, that's codependence. You know, right. relationally, that's conditional love. Right. And, and people, we bring that to everything. And people want, like, I see so much, like, they want to be perfect because they want to give respect. They want yeah. to honor. It comes from a good place. But a lot of worthiness stuff comes up. And the thing is, tea's a plant, right? So it is impacting you cellularly as you drink it. And it's a heart medicine. So it's opening your heart. And as you keep drinking and feeling unworthy or feeling whatever it is that's coming up, your heart's starting to soften too. And you're like, maybe it's okay. Maybe if I just enjoy this moment, I'm worthy of it because it doesn't matter that I have a to-do list. It doesn't matter that I'm not being productive. And they start to just receive themselves. And that is something that most people don't get. If I had like for all of, for the hundreds of people I've taught, what I hear when they first come in is I thought that this was going to be something that I didn't do. I thought I was throwing money at my problems, signing up for another course, and I wouldn't actually do it. And I'm shocked that six months later, a year later, two years later, I'm still drinking tea. (laughs) And I'm like, great. And the other thing that they say is, I came in to just serve tea to others. I just thought that the practice was beautiful, and I wanted to be that person doing the beautiful thing. Right. And by the end, they say... 
this is so special and so precious and I've never had something like this for me. I don't want to give it to anyone else. I want this to just be for me. And, you know, I think that those two things are really difficult things to decondition in our minds. Yeah. I mean, especially if we were raised with that, Mm -hmm. we live in that, our culture Mm -hmm. often embodies that. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden you're going to not do that. I mean, it reorients all your relationships. It reorganizes how you see how you relate to other people. And in a way, it's like you're, you know, it was like you're drinking the experience of like the awareness, but also the grief of having oh, been constantly so in exchange and needing exchange. So and much grief. In, yeah, like in requirement, you know, I need you to agree with me. I need you to be like me. I need you to love me and choose me. And if you don't do any of those things, I then am not going to love myself. Which I often think about that. Like if your happiness and your well-being rests on you being in a relationship with your partner Mm -hmm. or being in a relationship, then that is so much pressure for your partner because they're like, well, if I leave, they're not happy. Mm -hmm. So that's codependency. But that is so, you know, so often how we exist in a relationship. Well, again, it's the vehicle, right? Like I fell in love with the method. You're the method to my well-being. Oh, well, you can't go because you're the only way I know to find well-being. Yeah. I need more ayahuasca or more drugs, more alcohol, (laughs) more whatever. Well, and here's the problem with ever relying on humans to be your source of stability is humans are finicky. (laughs) And they're not not that reliable. reliable. We change all the time. And so when you can actually work with a plant in that way, a plant that's steady, like a tree, Yeah. right? Trees are our elders. So when you work with a plant, like it, honestly, it feels like if I had to say how it feels when you're sitting there in a difficult moment and drinking tea, it feels like your mom is holding you. Mm, It feels, yeah, it's so like grandmother energy of almost like all of the nonsense that comes up that I'm thinking about it's like feeling my grandmother when she's like, yeah, I remember when I was young and I thought that was a big deal too, but don't <laughs> yeah. worry, it's good over here. That's and I great. got you and you're allowed to go through it. You know, like that's how it feels. And, you know, I can, we should have some tea oh, and I, I can share tea. a little bit about my story where I actually went through that disconnect from humans as my source of stability and to tea as that. Well, let's mix it let's up. It. Let's get it crazy. Okay. Is that a like regular dose? Or are we it's just have a bit we're just of it. Gonna put the whole thing. No, we're just gonna have a bit of it. It's just beautiful. It is pretty. So for you watching, look at that. So you can see like a beauty. A, yeah, like a nice big. What kind of tea is this? This is a red tea, which fun you think fact, of tea bags. So this is so. They're extractive, is what I'd use. What I'd say. What are so, tea bags? Yeah. So essentially, we can drink a whole leaf of tea, and you could drink this tea for many steepings. This is a nice leaf, a nice big one. And so we could drink many steepings, many infusions. With one leaves. leaf or and with a group. Is that about the dose? Yeah, this is what we'll have today. It's nothing perfect. But yeah, if you wanted to have some tea at home, just find some organic loose leaf tea. It's amazing how I'm over consumer of everything. So I'm like, well, I could probably just have a few more like, <laughs> as opposed to just letting it. No, no, I'm kidding. Let's put some more for Mark. Yeah, <laughs> let's get my overconsumption. We'll just put some water. There is a pour technique too. Yeah, but you gotta. You could take the glass. No perfection. That's the thing. No perfectionism. But yeah, you don't cheers. You don't cheers. So Kai, when when (laughs) she first was learning tea, she would pour my tea, and I'm like, "This is so hot." And she's like, "You have to hold it on the hot bar." And I'm like, "Because she would overfill it, so there was no place for it." So I'd be like, "What is this? Like some sort of painful initiation? Like why would I want to be in pain? My fingers, tips are scalding." Then Mariana was like, no, you're allowed the first to time not she burn your hand. Tea, I was like, oh, it's too high. You'll burn yourself. And she was like, oh, no, I've been telling Mark that he has to sit through the pain. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> well, salut. Salut. Yeah, and so we can just let it go. But your question about the tea. You're allowed to slurp too, right? Yeah, you are. You can slurp because it helps cool down the tea. Because I think she told me I couldn't slurp either. But There we're... are some big slurpers in China. I mean, there's a lot. There's actually like theory about how slurping in different ways can help you appreciate the tea better. So some people are like, it's like tennis where they hit the ball and they yell. Sure. It's like the same. (laughs) You're like, that was a little extreme. (laughs) Some of those are pretty annoying. Come on. Let's be honest. Let's be honest, everybody. I have heard of extreme slurpers. 
It's like indicative of how much they're enjoying the tea. Is that what's um, happening? I think some people think that there's a lot of tea culture. There's a lot of different tea beliefs and ideas. And Do each sort of areas of China have their own tea sort of practice? Yeah, so different types of tea are produced all over China. China or tea is originally from Yunnan, which is in southwestern China. And it's actually not originally from an area. It's indigenous people to that area like indigenous Yunnanese people. China is a huge country with yeah. that doesn't have a single culture regardless of what they want you to think, right? Yeah. So, Wait, don't they censor out everything but what okay. you... <laughs> yeah, I feel exactly. like Canada's like that now. Mm -hmm. So I searched forever for a non-toxic deodorant stick and I'm not sure about you, but my experience with them is once I Googled the ingredients... I was like, ah, this has still got some stuff in it. Or if it wasn't toxic, it just didn't work that good. And don't get me wrong, I'm all for letting the pheromones out, but it was not the, not the right kind of pheromones. But I'm happy to say I finally found one that I love, and it's from a company called Primally Pure. And they don't just make deodorant, they have a whole line of non-toxic skincare products that are made with ingredients that you don't have to Google. Hmm, isn't that great? They're headquartered in Southern California, and all the stuff is done by their skincare chefs who value freshness and purity. So I'm very excited to be partnering with Primally Pure. And the company's founder, Bethany, is a mom of two and the wife of a farmer who truly cares about the integrity of the ingredients they use and the products they create. And for me, as a new father, this matters because I want to have the best, cleanest possible products for my baby Jasper. That is so important to Kylie and I. And this company has a whole baby line. So if this sounds like something that's really important to you and you don't know exactly which products to use, they do help you create a skincare routine with it awesome quiz that they do on their website. And the best part is that Primally Pure offers a happiness guarantee and they'll give you your money back if you're not satisfied. But I know you will be because Kylie and I absolutely love and trust their products. So if this all sounds like something you want to check out and try, Primally Pure has given you, my listeners, a special code to use when you order. Just go to primallypure.com today and use the code MarkRoves, just my name, and you get 15% off your order. So that's Primally, P-R-I-M-A, L-L-Y-P-U-R-P-U-R-E.com and use the code MarkRoves at checkout. Save 15%. So in so tea is originally from Yunnan. Then tea is grown all over China. Given the different climates, the different ecosystems, the tea, can the leaves will, even though it's the same species, can be different, right? So tea tree grown in rocky soils and dry climates is going to be different than grown in a rainforest. Mm -hmm. And because of the differences in the tea leaves, they'll actually process them differently. And that's what gets us different types of tea, oh, like types interesting. of tea, right? And so... Is this one a red leaf? This is red tea, which, fascinating, is actually called, what we call in the West, black tea, is actually red tea in oh, China. interesting. It was one of those colonial, like, misnomers, right? Where we so, just take it and change the name. Yeah, I mean, essentially, tea was kind of stolen from China. I say stolen, but... It was stolen from China, and then they were like, I think this is black tea, and then we never corrected it. <laughs> yeah, you're so, right. They're like, just go with it. Just go with it. Yeah, in China, you'll actually see on the sign, it'll say red tea in Chinese and then black tea in English. Really? Mm -hmm. At this point, The yeah. accommodation of uh, actually, ignorance. Yeah, I love there it. actually is black tea. <laughs> oh, so there is actually a true yeah, black tea. There is, yeah. Which you probably wouldn't, if you were to order, let's say, from... I don't know, Whole Foods or Safeway or whatever. It, doesn't even it would be red tea, but called black tea. So this is pretty much like the type of tea that most people associate with black tea. Like English breakfast or whatever. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My mom loves black tea. Mom, it's red tea. <laughs> it's red tea. You're so wrong. You colonizer. <laughs> you colonizer. All right. So I'm curious because you're obviously very passionate about tea. I love tea. Right. It, that's good. It's good because it's what you love teaching. So... Like, were you raised with tea? Like, I'm... <laughs> I was. So I was raised in Hong Kong. Were you raised with this deep of a reverence and practice? No. So I was raised in Hong Kong and actually... So I was around tea all the time and yeah. I loved tea. But tea can feel really commercial these days. And it makes sense. There was a cultural revolution in China not that long ago, yeah. which wiped out culture. And as I was saying, like, Yunnanese people, they don't, there's not necessarily like a tea, like one tea ceremony. There's like different types and different ways in which people interact with tea as a very important plant within China. 
but a lot of that has disappeared to certain extents with the Cultural Revolution um, and the shifts in China. So when I was a kid, I would go to these tea shops and it was just very commercial. And you know me, Mark, I'm a minimalist. Yeah, I don't yeah, want to yeah. buy a bunch of stuff. <laughs> and so I never quite knew. I was like, there's something about this tea, even as like a very young girl, but I couldn't figure it out. So what I liked was English tea, like your mom. Yeah. I was like, yes, give me a scone and a cucumber sandwich <laughs> and a delicious tea. Oh, I forgot tea. about cucumber oh, sandwich. the best. Yeah. So my mom and I used to go to tea a lot and... It's just one of my There's stories. a lot of tea houses in Hong Kong, I would imagine. I We went to the Mandarin Oriental. That's that what was it's like called? our thing. The hotel, you know. Oh, oh, I don't. They have great afternoon tea all over the world. And they do different jams depending on where you go. Like they do a different jam and scone combo. I'm really into it. The way <laughs> so. the Brits colonized tea from China. Yeah. I mean, the Brits, but, no offense if you're British, but you colonized a lot. Yeah. <laughs> you're our most recent. And, you know... Which I'm part British, so we'll just put that as... Well, and Hong Kong was a British colony when I moved there. That's right. It's so, in the transition till 2050? I mean... 40-something? But it's, it's already fully on, right? They handed it back over in 97. I believe they handed it back a year early in exchange that China would not change Hong Kong until 2030. That seems like a like one of those promises where someone's like, I won't, I won't. And meanwhile, they're like crossing their fingers behind Yeah, it's hard. There's been a lot of protests and it's not... I mean, it's so interesting to think about being in a colony that didn't want to go. Right, right. And it's not like it got independence like what you see with other countries. It was like leased for a while by Britain, right? I don't understand all the nuances of it, but I shall be educated. Yeah. So so you grew up around tea, but what point, yeah, did it become this? Yeah, so I couldn't find... I just felt like there was something more... Fast forward my life, I love tea, I love tea, and getting all of these tea gadgets and tea things that I never actually used. There's a lot of tea gadgets and tea things. So like, I didn't understand that when you actually dive in the tea world. I know. The different pots, the different serving, what well, are those? That's just called? like actual. What are the ones with the handles called? Are those pots? Tea pots, yeah. Those are this tea- is a kettle. Uh, like, see? Yeah. <laughs> and then the mugs, but the are they bowls? bowls? See? <laughs> And there are cups. They're just for a different style of tea service. Ah. Kai's not okay. there yet. <laughs> She's not there yet. Babe, come on. Put in the work. Because I know you were like big in the startup world. You were working yeah. like a lot. You were living in New York. Yeah. Miami. These are yeah. not slow, pacey places. No. These are like, let's go put my nervous system on cocaine. And sometimes legitimately, literally put that it on. That wasn't me. Not you, but people. <laughs> just for the record. Yeah, so I when I moved on with my life. Yeah. Always loved tea, but moved on with my life. I worked in the natural food startups industry, so it kind of started to come back around. I'd go to these big trade shows. I'd go to the tea booths. I'd be like, Republic of Tea, Rishi Tea, like all the different. And I'd be like, what's here? But nothing ever spoke to me. And I remember when I left one of, you know, I left Brooklyn for a while and I was packing up my apartment and I had this whole cabinet just full of tea crap. Like a lot of them just weren't like even stuff. tea. Just stuff that people would give to me because they'd be 300 like, square foot. 475, two cats, two humans. Wow. Yeah. So you're in Brooklyn. You got 475 oh, yeah. square feet. <laughs> two here. cats, yeah. two humans. So you're living the startup life. And so I had this huge cabinet full of tea stuff. And I remember having like a life moment. One of those moments where you're like, who am I? I'm not who I say I am. Oh. I don't like tea. Look at all this wow. tea stuff. Like if I liked tea. Were you in like a breakdown as you were reevaluating tea? I was reevaluating life. Yeah. But it starts with the cabinet. It was like one because I'm packing and I'm like, am I going to put this all in a box and in storage or are you going to be real with yourself? And you're not drinking it. And so I threw it all away. And it was a moment where I was just like, you just thought you liked tea. You just but thought. outside of those that afternoon English tea, I wasn't really a tea person. So flash forward a couple years later. All the stuff's gone. Yeah, I'm like. You've tossed it. Same cats, new second person. <laughs> like, same apartment. New apartment. New apartment. New startup job. The whole thing, I decide to leave New York and I'm driving around listening to a podcast and I hear about a retreat that the people put on and they were having tea ceremony in it and they were like talking a lot about tea ceremony in it and as they're describing it I'm like I think this is it 
I think this is the thing I've been looking for my whole life. So I think I spent like $7,000 on this retreat. I'm not, wow. I like, I was like, I'm going like, this is the moment. And I went to Italy and I had one tea ceremony of the style, like kind of similar to what I do now. And I started drinking tea. That was oh, so it. The first one, like I the first needed. intro, you were like, oh, this is how I want to relate to tea. Yeah, and it was and it was in silence drinking tea as a plant medicine. It was something that I didn't actually experience in mm -hmm. Hong Kong. Of course, I experienced the reverence of tea because tea is important in China. It's embedded in the culture. It's like tea's in you, right? And also from a British perspective, of course, I knew that there's something important here, but it wasn't being practiced in that way. And also, I'm not Chinese. It's not in my DNA in that way. Right. And so I went to that. I had the tea ceremony and I was like, this is it. And I started drinking tea every day. And it's been many years since then. And then you went back to Brooklyn, though? Or you had left? You had moved? But did you, like, I was leave? in Miami. Oh, you were then. in Miami. Yeah. And I just started kind of. So I was working. At that point, I was building a tech startup. I was traveling 100 flights a year. Oh, my Lord. You were like the super elite, the whatever they call them, platinum. I was a diamond. Oh, man. You hit diamond? Delta, yeah. yeah. Woo. I know. I was all the way up there. I was like, like that's why I told you it's really hard for me to travel on an airline like Southwest because I like, I'm the Once last minute checking. I'm just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. what? I'm C-59? <laughs> that's actually very true. Like once it's you've really experienced hard. that, it's pretty hard. So totally you're in Miami, you're back to tea ceremony. So I just started, I just started like, okay, I found it. Like I'm into this. And so I started, and it's interesting because I actually went through the exact same process that I guide women through now. I'll say, I'll put that out there. I'm not some person who like got it right away. I was there. I like had a notebook. I still have this notebook where every time I would sit for tea and I would be like, okay, time type of tea like water heated to this degrees and I really wanted to be very spiritual wow. and I think I'd read it somewhere or someone had, you had like a tea log book oh yeah and I like and I think I I read somewhere that like really spiritual tea practitioners you can read anything you want about tea if there's a thought you have and you want it it's exists. it exists yeah. somewhere yeah. and so it'd be like you do it through breaths right so it's like how many breaths is how long you steep a tea for so it's like, because you're in perfect meditation. So then I'd be like, steeped for three breaths. Oh my god! And then I would write notes. This is 20 plus years of me wanting to find this. So when I finally find it, I'm like, I'm going to do it perfectly. Are you, here. are you at this point like a recovering perfectionist slash structured person? Because like, that's pretty high achieving for a tea log. Guess, like yeah. a tea log? That's pretty impressive. I would, I'm the opposite. My recovery Here's is structure. I would say that, but what I would say too about tea is that there's a lot of, in that regular tea culture that we see a lot, so there's a lot of mind. So if you went to a tea, like if you grabbed a box of tea, on the back it would say a bunch of stuff. It's kind of like wine, you know? Yeah. It'll be yeah, like, yeah. here's the notes, and here's the, the temperature to brew it at, and here's how long to brew it for. So it, it actually is kind okay. of in there when you get like to the science. commercial consumption of tea. Now I don't do any of that stuff. I don't even care what the tea's called. I'm like, let's just have some tea and yeah. allow it, you know? So it's very different, but I didn't know how to access it right? There was no one to guide me. Makes sense. And so I really was. I was like doing all the things that I thought would make me a good girl. That's probably what I was yeah. recovering from more. There we good go. Girl. And then I had a friend who was into tea. And when he found, when he saw what I was doing, he was, you know, he was just like, just put some leaves in a bowl and drink some tea. <laughs> and I was just like, <gasps> and I probably got mad. If I were Mary, I was probably like, this is how You're much like, I, I did care. this to be a good girl. <laughs> and now I'm bad. Yeah. Totally. But it was the, some of the best advice I received on my path. And that's great. so. I told you to just be with it. Exactly. And so that's what I did. And it's hard. It's hard to sit by yourself and be like, but as I said, tea changes you, tea works with you. It's not like when we're in a meditation and we're just like, well, when the time passes, it'll be done, right? It's yeah. like those things that are hard, your heart becomes softened too. And all of a sudden, it's not so hard. And that's what I want in life. Like, life's hard. 
Yeah. This world is crazy. Society asks a lot from us. And I just want it to not be so hard. And I get to be there and be like, oh, it's not so hard. Life's actually beautiful. And by the end of those, this is like what's very different for me based like from meditation is by the end, I'm like, oh, things are actually really good. And I feel loved and supported. And now I can go through my day from that place, which is actually pretty incredible. I'm still curious how you get from Brooklyn to Miami, startup life to tea ceremony. Okay, so then... Because I agree with you. It is like the, so this is, the practice makes you patient and present. Yeah. But I'm like, shit, where's the fall? Okay. <laughs> I'm like, tell me the suffering it's going, story. It's going. Yeah. I traveled around the world with my little bowl and my little tea, and I'd book Airbnbs instead of hotels with kettles. Smart. Message them. Do you have a kettle? If I didn't see it in the pictures. Probably some of my neuroses was because I was burning out. Really bad. Yeah. <laughs> and so I ended up moving to Colorado, found this beautiful home, moved out there. Life was good. And then I had that moment about two weeks in where I was like, I'm extraordinarily unhappy, even though everything's supposedly great in life. Like, I have my tea practice now. <laughs> I have yeah. my cats. I have this beautiful home. It's like my dream home. I have this job that's paying me a lot of money. It's not a, like ideal, but I'll pay my house off sooner. Right. Oh, that's so the exchange we make, those types of exchanges. That's so normal that then, to not do that is abnormal. I know. Sometimes I think that I'm like, <laughs> I would have had my house paid off by now. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think a lot of things. And then the universe is like, nope. They're like, oh, you thought that was the way? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of the ways. Yeah, welcome. Yeah. You, could, you could go that way and die earlier. Or... Totally. And yeah, so essentially I just started feel. I mean, I'd already been feeling really unwell because... That amount of stress, like building a team, traveling so much, I was just so ungrounded. And I think because the climate in Colorado is so different for my body and also oh, just pretty it. extreme. Yeah. I was coming from like tropical environments yeah. my whole life. I don't think my body could handle it anymore. And I burnt out really bad. I actually literally went, I had, I was in San Francisco. I had two meetings that day. I left the first one and puked. I walked into the second one and it was weird, Mark, because they both had big clocks in the room, which was weird. And were they like, yeah, like and, loud tickers? And I, yeah, and it was like a big one in the first one. And I was just there like, you just, it's just an hour, it's just an hour. And then I went to this, I went to rest at the hotel and then I was like, it's cool. It's a big meeting. Just go to the second one. Even though I, my team was like, you don't have to go. And I went and I, and that one was a big digital with like red. <laughs> And I like walked in and I was like, this was a mistake. Like this was a mistake. And I left that meeting and I went to the companies like in the lobby, there was a bathroom and I just like was on the floor until I could wow. like get, I was supposed to fly on a red eye to New York that night. Oh God. Like I was just nonstop and I was on that floor of the bathroom, like booking a hotel in San Francisco on my phone. And then we got an Uber to the hotel and there was this moment where it was like, I kept asking my team, I'm like, should I go to the emergency room? Should I go to the emergency room? I'm like, and I'm like, how long to the emergency room? She's like, seven minutes. I'm like, how long to the hotel? She's like, seven minutes. There's oh, so wow. much traffic. And so then like three minutes later, I'd be like, how long to the emergency room? She's like, seven minutes. How long Shit. to the hotel? Seven minutes. Oh, it was like, God. God was like, choose yourself. Yeah. And I went to the emergency room and I never, I really like never worked in corporate again. Wow. Like I getting home from there was the hardest thing I've ever done. And I spent the next from, few months from, from San, San Francisco. Francisco. Are you open to sharing what happened when you went to the emergency room? There was absolutely nothing technically wrong with yeah, me. That's classic, I got a $9,000 bill and I apparently wasn't even dehydrated. You I was just, like, well, that's impossible. <laughs> you just had this massive adrenal crash. Yeah. Wow. And I went yeah. home and I just literally went from this very high powered startup job to all I did all day, every day was try not to puke. Wow. Like my body was just in collapse. I would literally at like 10 p.m. I would look at I'd be like, it's 10. Like I can sleep three days since I puked. And I, it was so humbling. It's like to lose your health in that way is so scary. Oh, man. I was saying to Kai the other day, like, it's amazing how much you value health when there's the absence of it. Yeah. And then you and I were talking about this because I've been eating really clean for quite like six weeks now. Like mm -hmm. normally I eat pretty clean, mm -hmm. but you know, the odd chocolate croissant, some sourdough, come on. <laughs> and that's not that that's unclean, but for my body, it just doesn't work very well. Right. 
And it's amazing now just how much I crave nutrients right. as opposed to sugar. Right. And you don't even know that you don't feel as good as you can possibly feel. Right. Till you actually step into whatever. Oh I'm still learning that now. Right? Like oh, even all like these years stops, later, you know? I'm like still learning. Like every day I'm like, wow, I didn't know I could feel like this. Like yeah. our baseline is so low. And then I was such a martyr too. Culturally, our baseline is pretty bad right now. Yeah. Oh my like God, it's yeah. Bad. Like ours is probably pretty good up front. But I was also vegan at the time. And I was zero waste at the time. Because I love nature and the environment. I and that. I thought that the only way to love nature was to martyr myself Very like extreme. a good Catholic. Yeah. Good Catholic. I'm You're a such Catholic. a good Catholic. <laughs> I mean, there's probably things that are bad about you as a Catholic. <laughs> totally. But yeah. I don't know if I If would. you have more guilt, it doesn't matter. If you repent, you're clean. <laughs> it's, 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 the stage is reset. Yeah. But I used to be... So all that time, I wasn't nourishing my body, even when I knew it needed it. And I would literally... Mark, like, you would be so mad at me. I would stay up until like two in the morning to bake my own granola bars, to put them in a glass container, to take them with me as snacks for the next week all over the world. Wow. Because I didn't want to buy like a packaged food. Like I was that trying to be everything to everyone. Yeah, you were trying to be good. Yeah. Wow. And it does hurt my heart. Like I do, you know, I would say now I'm low waste, so I'm not going to say, but it's like, I didn't care if it took me out, you know, yeah. like. And it did. And it did. It really did. I it's remember. amazing that level of extremism, yeah. right? It's, it's just, just so like the other stuff we were talking about. It's like up ultra front. marathoning. I know there's a Ironman triathlon actually happening in. We're in Coeur d'Alene right now, and Ironmans, man. Most of the people I know who do Ironmans are like extremists. Yeah. In that they're like cortisol, high state, constant, chronically high cortisol. Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot. This isn't true of everybody, but a lot of the ultra marathoning. Ironman type of world, mm -hmm. long distance biking. Mm -hmm. Those are all great ways to obviously maintain fitness. And to me, it's like, what are you running from? Like, we can't totally. be present with what's being still mean. Totally. You know, and it's like, and it, it, the thing about fitness and obsessive nutrition is you usually get fit. Mm -hmm. And so you get celebrated. Mm -hmm. And so your addiction exactly. becomes actually a circulating loop. Yeah. And so if you miss a workout, there's a really interesting research from a guy named Robert Valorant, mm -hmm. and he studies obsessive passions versus harmonious passions. Mm -hmm. Harmonious passions are things that exactly the word indicates you're in harmony with. Mm -hmm. Obsessive is like what he showed in his research. I can't remember the exact details, but essentially that for people who are obsessed with fitness, if they miss a workout, they actually don't get the perceived benefit that they think they do because the harm that's caused from the stress. Oh, wow. People who are obsessed about the environment are less likely to recycle and more likely to commit a terrorist act, which that's not surprising. Mm -hmm. I mean, I understand the psychology behind that. Mm -hmm. But I think when we think about this, like achievement-based culture, control, right? Really in that, like this <laughs> strong, this obsession or desire to control the outcome. I mean, workaholism, which is what I definitely had. And I think so I've many had of that. us do. Yeah is definitely that it's like there's another conference to speak at there's another deal to close there's another so you're more just more getting, more more yeah. more and, and and the irony of that is never enough never enough never enough i know so it's or like, just a couple more weeks like i used to think that i used to get paid a lot of money so i'd just be like but if i stay like in two more weeks then this deal will close and then i'll make like another seven thousand dollars let's just do like what is that I you know totally it's like get it. this constant thing i was doing that with launches where it's like oh this business because the business just gets more expensive to run as an entrepreneur so you might make more money but the cost psychologically and financially just keeps going up so i found like oh well i'm not making more money i'm just spending more time and losing moments right it's an ironic that in our culture we basically spend most moments living in a future one yeah and you're no and then it it takes you away from your own natural rhythm because yeah. you're never deciding i want to do this well, it's then, always an external factor that's telling you well it would be a good time to right. do this versus like actually the only good time to do anything is when you want to well and the irony too that all this constantly doing 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 mm -hmm. you're missing the circadian rhythm of life like mm -hmm. this coming back to reverence tea which all comes back to exactly yeah. what you're saying nice setup is <laughs> is this ability to be present francis weller says that the world moves at a geometric pace mm 
mm-hmm. or a geologic pace. Yeah, that makes sense. And he said the soul moves at a geologic pace. Mm-hmm. And I remember being someone who's always been go, go, Trees. go. Yeah, like this plant Trees. is like, You know, the hey. oldest tea tree alive is 3,500 years old. Wow. Still going. Mm-hmm. Still crushing it. So you just think of like these plants, like they're slow. They're going to slow you down. And I'll say, and we'll hear, so in my journey, I, I wish that that were the bottom, that that were the rock bottom. Oh, wait. There's more. Oh, there's a lower bottom? There's a lower bottom. God, you are resilient. <laughs> I'm resilient. Are you stubborn? Anyone like, ever told you that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The thing was that, so I went to India six months later for my healing. And while I was away, my partner at the time literally just moved to another city. I've never seen him again to this day. Wait, you've still never seen him? Never. Wow. So, so while you were gone doing healing, the yeah. universe is like, hey, remember that abandonment? I got a phone call. Yeah, totally. Uh, I got a phone call. Oh, man. I came, home, I came home to an empty house because most of the stuff was his as a minimalist coming from a 475. So did he message you? He called. Like he was like, hey, I moved out? It was a little bit more than that. But there were a lot of projections, a lot of, a lot of having to follow his life path, Yeah, which he didn't do. But, you know, I don't know if he's following his life path. I guess what I'll say is the things that he claimed were the things, whatever. But yeah, it was in, so I came home in this state of breakdown to literally an empty house. And my living room's large. And I have a photo. It's like an echo. Yeah, literally. And I have a photo of it. It's like, and I didn't have, we shared all of our tea stuff. So I didn't have any tea stuff except what I brought to India. And I have this photo, like I woke up jet lagged. I have this photo, my kettle my bowl, my little teapot, and this tiny little runner in this huge room and a harmonium. And I was just like, I was sitting there having tea. I was looking at this empty house. I'm like, what the fuck happened to my life? One year ago, I was moving into my dream house with a great job and a life partner and all of this stuff. And now I'm sitting in an empty, like with no job, no health, no money, no, like nothing. Had you, were you again in another adrenal crash? It took me years to heal from the first one. A year after my burnout, I started working with a functional medicine doctor. I was still in stage three adrenal fatigue out of four. Damn. And I thought I was better, you know, like, so it would. Yeah, that like time. how good you can feel versus totally. when you're at four. Like I've had uh, like, Selena Gray on the pod a few times. She mm-hmm. had an adrenal crash she was a crusher working for a consulting company flying yeah. around the world with yeah. nice handbags and then realized none of that matters mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah so wow i sat there and i was just really thinking about life i was like oh no i'm gonna lose my house too i was like i know i'm not gonna lose my cats they really love me <laughs> but like what else is life gonna take away right and wow india when you were going there whoever your guide was was like it's really fucking all up. Totally. It's just put her deep in the chasm. Yeah, I really lost all of it. And so, okay, so there's this woman in India that gave a talk. And she said, she was talking about how she and her husband will see those big lotto signs. That's like, you might win $700 million. And then they'll like talk. They'll be like, oh, what would you spend it on? What would you spend it on? And they're always going to spend it on good things for the world. Right. And she was like, why do we need to win the lottery to spend our money on good things? Everything in life is going to get taken away when you die. So why not give it away while you're alive? And it really stuck with me. And so I'm sitting there in my living room, and I'm like, how can I give it away before it gets taken away? All I have left is this house. Had you bought the house? Yeah. Oh, man. I know. I thought I was going to pay it off in two years with my great salary. (laughs) I still have a lot of years to go. Is this in Colorado? The house you're in now? Yeah, Oh, my house. I mean, you got that in the breakup. That's good. No, well, I bought it. I yeah. financially supported our, uh, this oh. relationship, oh, yeah. too. It was really There's fun. There's another, another good lesson. <laughs> I was a great martyr, I yeah. told you. <laughs> oh, the martyr is an easy one to stay in, too. Totally. Especially because it's usually up our matrilineal or patrilineal totally. arm. Totally. And it's it's ironic because martyrdom appears powerful. But my friend, my mentor, Allison Bird, said to me, martyrdom is a siphon for abundance. Like, it is the embodiment of scarcity. Totally. And it's the perception of power, but it's actually an inverse relationship to power. You're using the appearance of powerlessness to maintain power, which is victim mindset, which is, mm-hmm. it's so hard to leave because it, it's like, how do I trust myself to be powerful and embodied 
in power versus the perception of powerlessness. It's such an inverse. I always think about that strange paradox that you know you're powerful by presenting as powerless. Right. That one's hard to cook. Totally. You need tea to cook that one. Totally. So that's what I did. I created a tea space. I Airbnb'd my house, did a couple of rooms. Did you quit your job? I didn't. Yeah, I couldn't. I never went back to work. Oh, like when you came back from India. Oh, wait, you still hadn't gone back? Wait, I thought you had a good job. I did, but when I burnt out, I couldn't work anymore. So I'm confused. When you came back from San San Francisco, Francisco, you never worked for a startup again? Mm Mm-mm. Wow. Like, that was it. I spent years healing. Like, my healing became a full-time job. And then your tea practice became a daily... It was was already a daily practice, but when I really came home from India and didn't have anything going, (laughs) (laughs) that's all I had. And so I started serving tea ceremonies I Airbnb'd my house to make money, a couple of rooms, and those guests started being like, what's this tea stuff about? I want to <laughs> yeah, receive tea. Totally. They're, you know, when you say, is there an Airbnb? You're like, what is up here? I know. And so, Meanwhile, you've got this Yeah, they're like, setup. do you serve us tea? And I was just like, people to serve tea to. This is amazing. Yes. And so Airbnb had like experiences, and so I put it up there, and I spent a year just like cleaning sheets and bathrooms and serving people tea mm, and I so really I gave it away journey, you know yeah like I gave it away I was like how do I give this away that's and I cool. did and then the pandemic started and like Mark that could have been my life Airbnb was doing this new thing that was like half experiences half stays and they chose a hundred people in the world and I was one of them what? to like that's be cool. like a whole thing and I was like maybe this is what I'm here to do in life is just having Airbnb yeah, what are they called like a super host or whatever they never launched the program because the pandemic started. So I don't know what it was uh, called. It was like a whole new thing. Shit. But I was like, maybe this, I'll just follow my life's purpose. And maybe I'm just supposed to serve tea to Airbnb guests. I thought that before the pandemic, like, yeah. oh, I'm here to teach relationships. Mm. That's good. That's it. Yeah. And then the pandemic, I was like, oh, no, it's so much more about yeah. like being with difference, being with truth, mm-hmm. our fear of the unknown, yeah. weaponization of belonging. I mean, all of these things that have occurred in the last three years. Yeah. That have always been there, but you know, like anything, things get amplified. Yeah, and I feel like I'd just gone through what people went through in the pandemic. I feel like when it happened, (laughs) I was just like, I already lost my job. I'm chill. (laughs) Like, I was like, actually, now I have my house to myself and, and I just had tea and people were like, well, I've been coming to tea ceremonies and I need tea. And I was like, well, this is what I worked with to heal. I mean, literally, Mark, I did not take, I didn't even drink coffee in those years. I did not, I didn't put anything in my body except for tea and food. And I would just sit there and reflect on everything. I would just sit and have tea multiple times a day. And I would just be like, what's here? And it just healed my heart. And, you know, it's hard to even say like the journey. But what I will say is I felt very abandoned by humans. The people that I worked for in the startup have never talked to me again. Wow. Never saw my ex again. Like, it was a lot of, like, hard, like... Cut-offs. Cut-offs. And there was no reason. So I was left with all of this, like, I don't even know what to... Those are the most painful lessons where you can't get closure. Totally. So you have to learn. Although that is so painful and I've been through uh, similar in that. It actually teaches you that closure doesn't live in the other person. We're taught, like, I need to have a conversation or I need... But man, when you walk into something like the room that you walk into and there's nothing but you and tea, mm-hmm. oh my God, it shows you the power of the plant. The plant's like, I got you. Exactly. And I'd actually never felt That's that so from cool. humans. Wow. I didn't feel safe in this world with humans, you know, like, and I've had so much change. Like I'm Venezuelan, I'm American. I grew up in Hong Kong. It's not like I have a culture or an identity yeah. or anything. Even the irony of that, right? This totally. Like mixed. Like I'm alone. Yeah. <laughs> like, except for my sister, there's not many people who actually have that imprint in that time. And I would just, I realized, wow, T loves me back. That's and cool. this is unconditional. I had never felt that before. And I was like, I have a place to go to. She doesn't want me to change. The only person, as I would sit there and be like, I wish things were different. I wish I were different. You know, I'd be like, if it were a person, I'd be like, even though you're telling me that you don't agree with that, I don't believe you. Mm -hmm. And I think you're just saying, but like, T can't tell you one thing and then mean another, right? Mm -hmm. Only humans can do that, right? And T's never going to be like, 
well, you know, I got a job somewhere else, so I'm out. Right. But it's been good, you yeah. know? And so I started to realize I'm the only one who thinks that in this relationship. Mm. Everything that's hard for me, that makes me want to cry, that makes me feel bad about myself, it's coming from me. And then T's just there like loving you through it and helping you clear it out. Because it's so easy for humans to project all of our shit onto everyone else and be like, when you change, I'll be good. Right. And when you're in this relationship, it's like, oh, when I change, I'll be good. Then over time, she really started to teach me a lot about nature. This imprint that I received here exists with every single being, non-human being in the world. Yeah. And there, any agenda from a non-human being is for the benefit of all life. Humans, we're the ones that, that hold like an agenda that's just for me. Yeah, we have like deceptive <laughs> totally. agendas. But all of nature is actually communicating to us all the time, yeah. conspiring for the benefit of all life. And building the first connection of that with tea is how in my body, not with my mind, because I can say that to you and you get it with your mind. Yeah. But to really know it in my body and in my heart, that happened through this. It like modeled it for you to recognize it and see the template in everything. Over years. Yeah. Not one crazy ceremony where I got a vision. Slowly and subtly over years, I changed physically. Wow. Because tea has been in me physically over years. Yeah. And that love and that medicine just keeps coming in. It It's the geologic time. Yeah. But I remember someone, they said to me, they're like, well, you're just so chill. And I'm like, what? I don't know if anyone's ever called me chill before. <laughs> They're like, I just can never tell what you think. I'm like, actually, what? <laughs> you can see everything I'm thinking all over my face. I'm pretty sure it's a flaw. But I realized <laughs> that people that I had changed, I just didn't know it. And it was from drinking tea. Because it's so subtle that you're just you. Yeah, you think you're signing up for like, start your own tea practice. I know. But you're starting, you're signing up for start your own practice of presence with self and the beginning or continuing. It's like the journey. Engage with life. Have relationship yeah. with life. Some people are mad at me. Some people, like they've come in and they're like, this is the best thing. And also I had no idea. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're like, just like. It was called start your own tea <laughs> practice, not dive deep into my shit. And that's what it is. And, yeah. and it gets to be joyful. It gets to be connective. It's all relationship. It's all reciprocity. It's not like, and it's, and what is relationship? Like a deeper relationship is daily with anything. It's also pretty cool because it teaches you that there's not something outside of you that's healing you. Like there's a, the mm -hmm. practice itself and the showing up each day, you know, that saying the opposite of trauma is choice. Mm -hmm. So it's like, by choosing to show up and do the practice every day, you're actually in discernment mm -hmm. and you're saying, this matters to me, I matter to me, T matters to me, this practice matters. And the addition to that is I matter to T. Yeah. And this is what I tell my people uh, they're the reciprocal like, because they're like, but I don't need T today. And I say, well, what if T needs you? Mm. This is a relationship. So, you so you're show like showing up, up not yeah, just for yourself, but you show up for life or nature for tea because we don't just say to our friends, like, I don't have a problem, so I'm not going to talk to you today. Right. You know, we're like, what do you need? That's super and interesting. That, like, and here's the thing that's so, that can like drive me crazy is that that's the moment where all the extra stuff comes in. It's the fill up. You know, as humans, we love to sacrifice and give away but we don't spend time filling ourselves up meaningfully. And this is when we go and we just fill ourselves up. And that's when T starts sharing wisdom with you. Yeah. That's when we start learning about the world in a deeper way that we can't learn in books, that we can't learn from other people, that we only learn experientially. So I'm like, that's the good part. Once you get past all of your shit and you just get to come here and sit around and really understand on a deeper level that clouds are amazing and what they do for us, it's yeah. like, that's the stuff that people are like, I want to be there, right? I want to get there. And it's like, well, you've got to process the geologic time. There's a process to get there. And then you've got to stay in, even though there's not going to be something that you can post on Instagram about afterwards. It's all because, again, nature doesn't communicate in the human language. So it's just this beautiful knowing.
that fills us up and creates trust, creates trust of life, creates surrender, creates belonging, like all the things that we want, the slowdown, the presence, the rootedness, it just becomes you. Beautiful. It's the best. I mean, I never knew there was so much to tea, but I did know, and we just touched the beginning of it. I like the sense of responsibility that comes like, it's actually not just about you, which means it's the exact same thing as our relationship to an ant. Um, Mosquitoes, those are harder, but like... My teacher says you get three, you can put three warnings and then you can kill it. I definitely give them warnings. I'm like, I do not consent to this. (laughs) (laughs) Mariana thank you so much Mm -hmm. for sharing and bringing this for the and thanks for sharing the cup of teas yeah two bowls bowls of tea it's okay beautiful thank you (laughs) for the people watching listening where can they find out more about tea Mm -hmm. start your own tea practice yeah kettles bowls that all happens in the course the course is really about letting go of the mind so I'll actually send them what they need oh, that's so they cool. can just show up with heart and presence and not need to know anything. They don't have to go buy it. Nope. You send it all. Mm-hmm. Okay, sweet. But then on the last the last day, we will shop. It's all good. I understand <laughs> we're humans. We yeah, like yeah. to shop. I want my own bowl. I want my... Yeah, but they can sign up. You can go to startyourownteapractice.com or marianarittenhouse.com. It's there. Perfect. Um, we'll put the links in the show great. notes. And then they can find me on Mariana de la Tierra on Instagram. Which we'll is, spell that out. Don't worry about that. De la Tierra. It means si. of the earth. Mariana of the earth. But de la Tierra. De la, de la Tierra. <laughs> yeah. Okay, perfect. Thanks so much. You're so welcome. Thanks for having me. Of course.